Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Battleground the Falklands War with me, Saul David and Patrick Bishop. Today, we're going to play an extended interview with Graham Piggy Trotter, who was born and brought up in Leicester before he ran away to sea at the age of 15. It was, he told me, the best decision I ever made. Fast forward from that time 16 years to 1982, and Piggy was second in command of the Royal Navy's Fleet Clearance Diving Team 3 when it was deployed to the Falklands. We actually flew. They, we put all our stuff in a in a C one thirty. Flew to Ascension, yeah, and load, load, then uh, loaded it all on their um, one of the um, auxiliary ships. The auxiliary ships, yeah. Do, do you remember which one it was? Yeah, it's a Bedivere, Sir Bedivere, or a face of Bedivere. Okay, we, yeah. Was that was that similar to the Galahad and the and the Tristram? Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, I think there were were maybe four of those weren't there um, heading down there. We took the bomb off the Sagalahad the first time she got hit in San Carlos water. Mm -hmm. We took a bomb off. I took a bomb off the Sir Lancelot. So those two, the Bedivere and the Tristram. Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your memories of 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 approaching the Falklands the the first time you got close to the islands and and where and what you did then, where you were sent then. Well, we. we, we entered the Falklands on the 24th of May, sort of two or three days after the landing, the initial landings. Mm-hmm. We already had a team down there. There, there was three diving teams that, down in the Falklands, uh, team one, two, and three. Um, team one were front line, and they went in with the landings. Uh, team three were, the, were a battle damage repair, and uh, they were outside the total exclusion zone until, until the end. And then there was all, all, we were fleet team, fleet diving team three. Um, we went in on the twenty third or twenty fourth, yeah. And uh, we went in on the on, on Sabedavir, and it was absolutely amazing. It was surreal, really. That the the water was flat, calm. It was all like a su- lovely summer's day, uh, not a ripple on the water. <laughs> and um, and and as soon as we anchored, or the ship anchored. Uh, out come the LIC of uh, Fleet Team One to give us a uh, diving team one to give us a briefing on what what they'd been up to in the couple of days, and they'd been there for about half hour. We were just wrapping up our sort of little meeting, and an air raid came in, and all hell went from there. Yeah, what, what, tell me a little bit more about that, uh, Piggy. What's your memory of the air raid? Well, I remember everybody saying, "Lay on the deck, lay on the deck." You know, so we we all laid on the deck, and I remember this chief uh, chief officer, engineer officer of the uh, Royal Fleet Auxiliary uh, ship, coming around and said, "Don't lay here; you're over the top of the uh, fuel tank." <laughs> so, <laughs> there we so um, so anyway, the, the air raid passed, and basically we were so lucky because 
uh, one of the bombs, one of the Argentinian bombs, had hit the mast of the Sabedave, the yard arm on the mast of the Sabedave, um, hit the wires for the front crane and just skimmed off into the water without crashing. <laughs> so, wow. wow, wow, here we go. Was it in that raid? I know that one ship, definitely one uh, Royal Navy ship was sunk that day on the 24th. I can't remember exactly which one it was. As we entered San Carlos water, and I said it was a fabulous-looking day, but I could smell the cordite. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's strange. And as we went closer into the San Carlos water, there was the burning wreck of the the antelope. Oh, the antelope, that's right. Okay. So, yeah, so it was the antelope. Yeah, and she was hit the day before, I think, and the, um, the there's two Royal Engineer bomb disposal men. One, fortunately, unfortunately, lost his life. The other one lost his arm. And, uh, of course, we knew we were going in to do the same work, so that was a bit disturbing. Yeah. Uh, but funny enough, um, after the air raid had finished, uh, we got the message that the Sir Galahad and the Sir Lancelot had both been hit, and would we go and wrecky them, which myself and my OC went to do. We went to the Galahad first, saw what sort of trouble she was in, uh, found, found the unexploded bomb. And that, that had landed in a battery compartment with, with battery acids scattered all around. Well, it's not the sort of thing I was used to when I was working in Portland. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and then without doing anything, you know, apart from thinking about it, obviously, we went on to Sir Lancelot, um, climbed up. Uh, there was a, a rope ladder at the, at the stern. We climbed up the rope ladder, and that ship had completely been abandoned. So we got, we got into the ship at the back, at the back end, and the smell, we thought, what's that smell? And we sort of followed our nose trails to the smell, and there was still stuff cooking on the on the on the on the galley ranges, <laughs> and nearly bursting into flames. I think if we'd have been twenty minutes later, the ship would have been on fire. From it. so we managed to knock all the power off to the to the cookers, and but there was nothing worth foraging for food. So it was all burnt to a cinder. So. <laughs> So they were they, they, they were they were so um, shaken, I suppose, by the by the air attack that they had left without even turning the, turning the galley off. Turning not turning the dinner off. The cooks had not turned the dinner off. No, no, it was just burning away. Well, virtually burst burst into flames. So anyway, we we dealt with that, and then um, we found the bomb, and it was so the bomb was so easy to find. It entered the starboard side of the ship, and we just followed the trail of the damage inside, and you can imagine the damage. A thousand-pound bomb does it traveling at I don't know three hundred miles an hour as it gets through. So it had traveled more or less, I'd say three quarters of the way through the ship, and it came it came to rest um, at probably a forty-five degree angle, all covered in rubble. But uh, unfortunately, it it came to rest under a ladder um, going up to the deck above. Well, on Royal Navy ships, all ladders have bolts to at the top, to at the bottom. You just remove them. Thing. <laughs> Not for all fleet auxiliaries or merchant ships, they're, they're built in place. So um, so we thought, oh, what are we going to do here? And we couldn't, because of the way the bomb was landed at a 45-degree angle facing upwards, and the tail end wedged up, more or less wedged up against the ladder, we couldn't see the state of the fuse. Well, really, it's a, technically it's called a pistol. A fuse is used as explosives to set the train of explosives, and a pistol acts like a spring-loaded firing pin. So that's a slight, but everybody calls them fuses, so that's probably the best 
way to describe them. And we mm. couldn't see. Um, now, when they're, they're, they were all tail fuse, uh, obviously you don't want to put a fuse in the nose, so as soon as it hits the outside of the ship, you want obviously to penetrate the target before it goes off. So we couldn't see the state of the fuse. So we thought, oh, so basically we were, we were working out things to do uh, and um, then it was sort of, by this time, it was sort of four o'clock in the morning and we were, okay, so we'd take a trip back to the bed of here to catch some sleep and report on what we'd found because that was basically just a recce. And uh, we'd, we'd, we'd only just got to bed and there was um, a call that, there was noises heard under the warships, under the sound of the warships that were anchored in the in, in some cars water. So um, my my next then my petty officer diary took the boys away to search the bottom of as many ships as it could search. And we found nothing, so we thought it was a false alarm. But um, but this, we we had special ways to search ships quickly at the hull. And um, the next day. Um, they, did, they told us, well, well, look, this is what happened to the Royal Engineers. They tried using a, a device that unscrews the, um, the um, fuse, fuses from the ships, and they successfully done it on one of the jobs they did, and uh, uh, something called a rocket wrench. And basically, it's like a Catherine wheel that you put on the fuse, and it, it unwinds it quicker than the firing pin can go forward, hopefully. Mm. But, of course... There was no way we could get one on, and the, the fuses on the Sir Galahad and the Sir Lancelot were were really uh, that damaged as they tumbled through the ship. There was no way one of those would fit. So um, after after we lost the the antelope through trying that device, we were we, we were really asked if we would um, try and get it out without defusing it. Bomb disposal is it's basic, isn't it? <laughs> So, so that's what we plan to do. Now, just before you go on, uh, Piggy, just to give me a sense of how unusual that is, because, you know, from a rookie like me, that, that sounds like a ridiculously dangerous thing to do, to move uh, something without taking the fuse out. Well, well, it was. It was. It, absolutely. It was to me. Had you done it before on anything? Any th- None of us had experience of that. None of us. Um Thankfully, we were able to change the training schedules but, you know, after the war and, and we put a, like a unit in the bomb disposal schools uh, to represent a, a warship's internal compartment. So, but, you know, but we were going in blind. Now, when, when, they, when the bomb leaves the aircraft, it's, on the back of the fuse, it's got like a little propeller. And the propeller has to turn a, th- a thread uh, 11 times um, and then after after it's turned eleven times, then it should become armed. That gives it a chance to leave the aircraft before it arms itself. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, so what we did, um, I got, I, I did my back in basically doing it. So we wedged the bomb in so it, it couldn't move. We really wedged it in tight, and I, I laid on top of the bomb with a torch, and I borrowed a toothpick from the dental department on. HMS Fearless, HMS Intrepid, one, one of the bigger ships, and, uh, and trying to dig away to see if that, if I could see how many turns it had moved, but there was no way. There was no way. So it was a case of, okay, what we're going to do now? So, and the next plan was, okay, we'd, it, I'll take it. It was easy to go up the deck, 
knocked one of the officer's cabins out and put like a patio door on the outside of his cabin and then do um, rigging, rig, rig up what we call shear legs um, and, and transfer it by chain hoist sort of around the, to the outside of the ship and lower it to the seabed and pray. And uh, that's what we did. And that, that the whole operation from when we started to um, pick the uh, the stuff out the back of the fuse until the actual lifting it, um, it took 22 hours. Wow. Uh, so it was a, a long time. Of course, we uh, this ladder had to be burnt away at one stage. And we had no experience in welding and burning. So we were very kindly uh, sent over a, a couple of chaps, uh, technicians from the Fearless, um, who were experienced in, and brought their burning equipment. So we, we, I covered the bomb with, uh, with blankets, fear-not blankets, doused it down with water, and, it, and George, his name was, started cutting down. And he got, I suppose, four foot above the bomb, and he turned his torch off and said, Piggy, I can't do any more, I'm too scared. I said, come on, we're with you, I'm with you. He said, no, I can't do any more. So I said, wait there. I went to the officer's bar, because the ship was abandoned, got two great big glasses of Woods rum, took it back. I said, George with me, after three, one, two, three. And he carried on burning and cleared it all away. Wow. Bit of, bit of Dutch courage, that literally. Well, that's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> and so, um, so what happened then? The, the ladder was cleared away. It, it, previously, before we started the ladder, knocked knocked me a, 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 the, the officer's cabin out and put me a patio door. Uh, my lads were rigging shear legs on the outside, so we we got chain hoist from the ship. There was plenty of of them on there. And you know the the helicopter stops. You see the people lowering the orange stops that go around you. I got two of those and secured it to the nose of the bomb and one to the tail end of the bomb. And um, we put a chain hoist and gently, gently hoisted it up. Oh, by this time, I'd sent George back to his ship. George is burning back to Right. Leave it with me now, George. So we, we hoisted it up very, very slowly, got nearly to the top of the deck I wanted it to be on, and a bit of the chain always slipped, and you can imagine the silence and the look between us. Is it going to go? Is it going to go? But no, it didn't. And so we, we were actually trying to keep it in the angle that it had landed at, you know, the 45-degree angle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually got it out there. We didn't keep the handle on it, uh, the, the right handle. But we did the job. Yeah, amazing. And it is, is it some, you know, in, in retrospect, you look back... It, is it definitely going to go off if it slips, or it, because it, it's as you were saying before, it slightly depends at the point at which the fuse is, doesn't it? Yes, and 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 with a, with the fuse being that damaged, yeah, it, you you didn't know, you don't know, so it could be fractions from the point at which it's going to go off, and anything can can get it to that point. That, that's the problem, is it? And we think that's happened. That happened with the Royal Engineer, the, the Sapper guys, uh, uh, the surviving ones. Now a friend of mine. Obviously. Um, we think that's happened because they've done one. Yeah. Try the try the same technique with the other. Is it likely, Piggy, that even if you you and the guy, your guys had been had been doing the other one, the same outcome would have happened, or would you have used it? No, yeah. absolutely. 
it it's, so it's it's just it's fate really isn't it or bad luck or whatever you want to call it yeah absolutely. yeah did you get quite um philosophical is one way of putting it you know did you just kind of trust to to what will be will be and that sort of work because it, it, it not everyone would be able to do it that's exactly what you think you think oh, okay uh is 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 my is my wife going to be covered insurance wise and and uh but what i did do is the guys who i took with me i picked that they were all the single the single guys your wife might have been glad to see the back of you uh she may have done. <laughs> <laughs> however we just celebrated our fiftieth wedding. Oh right! Okay. <laughs> so she definitely would have been seen. Glad to see the back of me now. Just out of interest, um, was she exact? Was she aware of what you were up to down there, Piggy? Because obviously it would have been pretty nerve wracking for her, wouldn't it? Well, um, she knew uh, that some bomb disposal guys, the BBC had put out the bomb disposal guys had been killed. One had been killed there, but the BBC did say they were they were royal engineers. So. She knew I was all right. And they had somewhat of a link wives organization. So uh, my head shed of the diving branch, who was known as the superintendent of diving, mm. his wife phoned my wife um, to say they're all right. Yeah, okay. So she was all right. But the first that she knew that there was a TV interview done by, done on Bernie Brune, who was my OC. Uh, I think it was would it be Hanrahan? Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, he was down there, wasn't he? Of course. Yeah, but they they were prom- they they promised that it wouldn't be shown until after hostages had finished, and, and they did so. And that's when my name was first mentioned. Uh, okay. I, I didn't do the interview. I sent my boss. I don't you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, go on, Bernie, you're going to do it. <laughs> okay, and just just to be clear, the 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 bomb you were clearing was was uh, on uh, Lancelot or Galahad. I can't remember. You you you. I d- we we were tasked with two, yeah. And uh, so Bernie, who was my boss, uh, because there was a lot more rigging involved with the Lancelot bomb, the one I've just told you about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a lot more experienced in that type of work. Okay. Um, uh, Bernie had just been on a detachment to uh, Diego Garcia and with the uh, the sort of a man's navy. So so you know. So we decided that he was going to do the Galahad bomb, although we we, we basically helped each other. But when the actual uh, removal started to take place, when one of us had moved away, so we we actually did the Galahad bomb first, the one with the battery acid everywhere. But that landed quite nicely, so to speak, under a hatchway, and above the hatchway was a a ship's crane. Mm -hmm. So that was, apart from getting burnt with with the battery acid, poor old Bernie, um, that, that was, you know, so the plan was to do that. And if that worked, then we'd move to the Lancelot and do that, which is exactly what we did. Okay, so the Lancelot one is the more complicated, uh, more difficult job of the two. Uh, what it, well, I would, the, the more lengthy job, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah the okay. more lengthy job. And, w- and once we were, uh, we were told, uh, at first we were working on them just at night time when the air raids weren't coming in. But I guess they were getting um, a bit desperate for the ship back. Mm-hmm. So we went round the clock, or I went round the clock for the 22 hours nonstop. Yeah, I mean, it's ironic, really, isn't it? Uh, when you look back, uh, not your fault, of course, but unintended consequences. It, it then goes round, you know, with the terrible accident that happens, um, you know, in, in, in Fitzroy 
both Galahad and Lancelot. I mean, if they weren't available, maybe maybe they wouldn't have sent those guys around by sea. Who knows? I, I, I think Bernie felt it more. My boss felt it a bit more because he, he, he toured and sweated to get that bomber finally to be hit again. Which is, yeah, yeah, and catastrophically the second time, of course. It's interesting. Do you um, just just to be clear, the timing of this is, as you say, just a few days after the initial landings. Um, and there were a number of reports, actually, both Royal Navy ships, auxiliary ships, merchant ships, of bombs not exploding. You explained the business of the of the of the spinning of the fuse. It has to get more than a certain number of turns. Turns, I think you said eleven, didn't you? Eleven, if my memory serves me right. So, is the point then, Piggy, which has often been suspected, um, that they were dropping them too low and they weren't having time to arm? Well, I think the most angriest time I spent there, and Bernie, my boss, and if the other divers since speaking to them, is the BBC put it out on the World Service that that was the, the theory. And after that, we started losing ships. Why would they be stupid enough to do that? I mean, it's, it's almost beyond belief, isn't it? It is. That we couldn't believe it. And, and we, we, were, we were in Ajax Bay uh, by the field hospital and, uh, when it... In fact, that's where we were living most of the most of the war because we got off the off the ships. Because when we first got there, they said, "Oh, come on, the fearless." Well, we had the other time, the other diving team on the fearless. So we said, "Hey, look, this, you've got all your eggs in one basket." And and Chris Meteor Tasker said, "Well, where do you want to go?" And we said, "Over there, pointed to Ajax Bay," which we did. And uh, while we were doing uh, all the uh, while we were doing all the wreckies and that of the um, of, of the bombs, uh, my team moved all our equipment to Ajax Bay. So we got in, decided to go and have some uh, some chow, some food, and we're in the building, and we got hit in the building by a bomb. We got. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know why I'm laughing. I know. I know. I know you, well, it's, it's great. I, I, I like your sense of humour, so what? <laughs> dark sense <laughs> I of humour. I like your it? team, mate. Yeah, 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 dark humour, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we, uh, uh, unfortunately, we lost some Royal Marines at the end of the building, mm. and um, there was uh, one, three bombs hit the building, and we thought there was three others hadn't gone off, but had dropped and, and, and hadn't gone off. So. Um, one one exploded as it hit the building, and two hit the side of the building, and they were smaller. They were French five hundred pound bombs uh, with a different fusing system, and um, but they're all entangled in the in the in the refrigeration plants in the in the units. So our biggest concern then was uh, the patients that was were in the field hospital. So um, along with the, every other spare. Soldier, sailor, airman. There, we built a blast wall between the compartment where the, the two bombs were that hadn't exploded, and, and, and the actual part that we were using as the hospital. And uh, we slept, slept to reassure the patients. Uh, we slept next to the, the blast wall. How long? How long did it take to defuse those ones? And how, was that a tricky? Oh, we left them there. We oh, left you left them. There. Them. Okay. That was done after the conflict had finished by okay. whoever I, I suppose the RF. Well, you let the the other team come in and do that, Joe. What was the what would you describe the number two team, wasn't it? Uh, number one, yeah, number one, yeah. Now I think the RAF did that, that job after oh, okay. after it was all out, after the surrender, and we moved, we all moved around to Stanley.
any 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 other um uh, uh, very nerve wracking moments like the like the uh, the Tristram did you have? I think not quite as nerve wracking, although still nerve wracking. When when the Argentinians surrendered, we found out where they'd laid their sea mines, and we had trawlers down there that were converted into uh, minesweepers. Mm-hmm. And they, they were out, uh, we'd already moved around to Port Stanley by this time, they were out, and they had, a, um, nobody recognised the mines that were being swept. So Bernie, my, my OC, uh, flew out and was lowered onto one of the trawlers, and he didn't recognise this mine. So he, he contacted me my radio in Stanley, and uh, he said, can you come out? I don't recognise this. I said, well, describe it. And for what he described, I, I didn't recollect anything. And I, he said, can you bring all the uh, confidential books with all the pictures of the of every, every mine we knew? So we got out there. And the, the, the last one that swept, this, somebody in UK said, if you don't recognise it, we want to recover it. Well, usually with mines, you destroy it in situ. You know, shoot shoot a rifle at it as you see in World War Two, mm. put an explosive charge in it. But no, we we want that one back. So and it was it was a buoyant mine, like a round round mine. You know the ones you see at the seaside with um, that you put your coins in. Mm-hmm. It was a buoyant mine. But the trouble is, it had uh, the ones you see at the seaside. They've used it. Uh, they've got the switch, the horns, the, the switch horns. Well, this one had a chemical horns. Which predominantly was used by the Germans in World War Two. So we thought, oh crikey, how are we going to exploit this? Because we would have to exploit it. Um, so basically, uh, that was a lot of thought. Um, I had the mine warfare people make me a, like a raft, and what it was, you know, the the cargo pallets you get that delivers food, big lots of food to the ships. One of those with a life boy ship's life buoy tied up inside it and then a 50 gallon oil drum cut in half lengthways so we'd, we'd like a made a sledge for the mine to sit on mm-hmm. to drag it up the beach because you can't exploit a mine in the water you've got to do it on land so uh, and so with the, the help of all the spare crew of this uh, of the trawler we got them all the berthing ropes of the trawler joined them all together and we 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 sort of uh, Sunk this the raft as we, uh, as we called it underneath the mine, secured the mine on it, and then dragged it up the beach, and then you know by using the crew with a great big long rope, and then we sent them back to the trawler, and where Bernie and I and a couple of other guys got on with the work, and that and so you you I just you've got to re, you've got to break the firing train. So that's either removing the detonator, removing the main charge, or or um, or removing the what's the word I'm looking for? Two seconds, please bear with me. Uh, the, the booster charge. So it goes the firing the firing mechanism is the, the detonate the booster charge, which sets off the main charge. It goes. So so we, to get to it, you have to undo the base plate, and we 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 took. All the bolts off by two, and I put the teeniest little drop of um, plastic explosive on the last two with an det- electric detonator, went to the other side of the field, and bang. So these two last nuts blew off. We blew them off. 
Because you can imagine with a buoyant mine, there's so many uh, places you can uh, put prevent stripping equipment, booby trap it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how so that's how we got the base plate, and then we tossed the coin and Bernie lost. So he, I said, "You're going to remove the debt." So, but but there's, there's a sequence of events you go through, and everything's recorded. So when Bernie goes, so one pull on his hand, he was doing step one of the pre set plans to step two and we'd retired so if it went if it went off we'd know next time we, if we had to do it we wouldn't do it that way we'd do it another way <laughs> so so anyway bit, bit late for the guy who's uh of course yeah 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 of course <laughs> what, what what sort of uh, explosive power does does a mine like this have i mean what what sort of weight are we talking in terms of explosives oh you're you? talking about i would say having with that one Small, so I'd say about seven hundred pound, maybe. Okay, that's huge. Pound. But I'll come to the punchline in a minute uh, because uh, we anyway, Bernie, and he threw his arms up and he says, "I can't find that." He shouted to me, "I can't find the debt." So I went in. I said, "Okay, then what we'll do then? We'll take that top cover off, and we'll we'll, we'll remove uh, remove the primers." And did the the, the the keep ring for that. And it was welded in place, so there was no way. Anyway, we did find we did find the debt in the end, and uh, we you know we uh, removed the debt, put it all back together, took it back to the trawler, hoisted it on the deck because it was perfectly safe then, and it came back. It was, we said it was coming back to England. Anyway, after about three weeks of me being home back to UK, I got a phone call from the, the head shed saying. Uh, can you go out with Mick Fellows, the, my other, the other, the number two of the other team, and give it a certificate, clearance certificate, to come back into UK, go out to Gibraltar to do it? So we met the ship in Gibraltar, and as soon as Mick saw it, this my uh, thing, he said, "That's British." I said, "What?" I said, "No, it's got Hertzels." He said, "That's that." He said, "I reckon." He said, "That's definitely British because if you look at the thread, it's Whitworth thread." I wouldn't know the difference between Whitworth thread or any other thread, and and it turned out to be British, and we we we'd sold it to the Argentinians after World War One. Oh my God! Well, and of course, really? all the publications they thought, well, we'd never see them again. So all the World War One ordnance they thought we'd never see again uh, had been removed. Great story. So the truth of the matter is, you you. Both, well, you and the rest of your team and your boss all risked your lives for something that if they'd known it was British, they you wouldn't have been asked to bring it back, of course, would you? Uh, not the mine, no, no, no. <laughs> but, it, but it, you know, it, it, there, there are times when uh, the, the people above you say you've got to do that. For instance, if an, uh, if an IRA bomb was put outside a hospital, then it becomes, the, you know, the patients are more valuable than... You as an EO, EOD, EOD operator, is, it's more important than your life, you know. That's... So to, I know you were quite rightly uh, awarded a, a gallantry medal for, for the Falklands. Was that specifically for the Tristram or for all your work that you did there, Piggy? No, it was specifically for the Sir Lancelot. Uh, Lancelot, sorry. I keep saying Tristram, it's the Lancelot. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, and... if, 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 if I was a chooser, I'd say I deserved it more for the mine. However, the the, the, uh, the the conflict was over, and everybody was in a rush to go home. And so, 
It wasn't really recorded. You, you know, you said that you, 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 I know with typical modesty, you kind of rather rushed over the, the kip crucial bit, which is getting the detonator out. Was it you who actually did that as opposed to your boss? No, that was Bernie, the boss. Okay. Yeah, that was Bernie. I planned the operation. Yeah. He, he went in and, and uh, he couldn't do it at first. Yeah. He couldn't find it at first. I, he, he went up the other side of the field. I went in. I couldn't find it. Uh, after about half hour, and we were both, what the, you know, so we got on a chat. He said, well, I'm going to have one more look. And we, we were thinking about saying, oh, it went off accidentally. but <laughs> And uh, so he, and he just went, yeah, and held this, you know, bit of a tube up, which, which contained the detonator. <laughs> yeah. And that was the Distinguished Service Medal, just to, just to get it correct, yeah, which is the second highest after a Victoria Cross, isn't it, or was at the time? Yeah, it's one one of the highest ones. Yeah, one, one below, I think. Yeah, it, 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 my counterpart in uh, fleet clearance diving team one. Um, I was a chief petty officer. He was a, a he was a, a warrant officer at that time. So he got the DSC for the job he did. Yeah, because that 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 generally goes to officers and warrant officers. officers yeah, doesn't it? well, yeah. not not since John Major's time as prime minister, because he equalised a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. So so. Um, there will be no more distinguished service medals ever issued. There was two, two for our people in the first Gulf War, two divers, you know, our divers got them in the first, in the first Gulf War. But since then, John Major stopped it all, so everybody gets the same. So. Well, that was Chief Petty Officer Graham Piggy Trotter giving a quite extraordinary personal testimony of his time in the Falklands as a naval clearance diver, including the astonishing act of gallantry removing a live 1,000-pound bomb from the RFA Sir Lancelot, for which he was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal. Do join us next week for another extended interview with a veteran of the Falklands campaign. Goodbye. (laughs) 